Welcome to another episode of Squawking Dead. It's your host, David Cameo. I just wanted to insert a little blur before you launch into the podcast. You're going to hear some noises from my face. And that's because we all did a little live watch of the episode. Basically, me, your host, David Cameo, watching the episode for the first time with a bunch of friends. Uh, the reaction is just from my point of view, so there's nobody else reacting. You're not going to know what's going on. There's no audio from the actual episode, which we're about to cover. Fear the Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 9, Things Left to Do. The more you listen, the more you'll understand what I'm actually reacting to. And we decided to include in the episode because it's this concatenated version of all my reactions. It's it, We basically did a time bolt, deleted all the silences, and so it's just this chunk of all the reactions in one four minute plus video so or video audio uh so i hope you enjoy that and if you do let us know at ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead it's just a good means of communicating with us while also rating the podcast it's very helpful uh, you can also dm us on social media obviously but the rating system is actually really cool. It's a good way of boosting the podcast. It does work. We have seen the numbers bear out. And we really like to know what you think because I think we're going to keep trying to do that uh, for the next episodes, at least of Fear the Walking Dead, because this season's actually pretty fire, as they say. Chef's Kiss. You'll understand the reference as you listen to the episode. So enjoy the episode. Uh, that video, That audio will play right after the episode intro music. So it launches right in there, and then right after, it just launches right into the podcast. Enjoy, and uh, let us know what you think. can't seem to get out no I'm kidding <laughs> oh fuck this shit she's having a moment it's really good on headphones <sighs> oh shit god she sounds so annoying in my my headphones mm, she knows right away oh. <laughs> let's start with the feet oh just keeps going oh shit i can dig it i can dig it man you know what's coming if she has her hands like that or hand they got electricity interesting i didn't notice that before <laughs> Ooh, love the stereo morgan's people not my people batches not again in the same spot come on man oh i remember everything now oh fucking shit jenny ain't no dummy say it with me people damn that looks nasty nasty god damn you idiot i've been locked away shouldn't he be gushing blood too I can only go do one thing at a time with this damn hand. Hmm. Goddamn tagline. Tell him, Victor. The big show is here. Pull it a Jenny! I knew that was gonna happen. Fuck. Ooh, using her words against her. <sighs> Ooh, shitballs. Are we talking Civil War here? What's Southpaw? <laughs> yeah, slice her throat. It's over. She's embracing John. He's embracing John. 
fucking Victor. He's like, you know, symbolic shot. Oh my god, is that their airplane? No, it's not. Oh, the fallen water tower. Nice. Grit schoolhouse road, right? Something like that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that look on her face is great. Yes! Yes! You called me crazy! You called me crazy! Oh, yes! She killed my parents! No, she didn't. Oh my god. <laughs> I get it now. I don't know why I'm actually... Oh, shit, swatty. Oh, shit. Not now. Oh, boy. Oh, shit, son. Oof. Oh, shit, son. What do you mean? What are you waiting for? Franchises. Is that McDonald's? McJinny's? Yo, you just done fucked up, Sherry. Just give away your baggage, Sherry. Come on. Ugh. Oh, shit, Morgan. Today? What? Tell me why. <sighs> oh, man. This is gonna be ugly. Temple, Texas. Fish thuds, baby fusses. Dwight, talk to your lady. Festivus, yeah. God, this episode's gonna be over soon too, isn't it? I can't even bear to look. <laughs> uh-huh. Ooh, take over, Alicia. Hmm, she cares. Whew. Oh, if you kill me. This is crushing. God. Oh, wow. He's not gonna be able to cut her neck with that plastic thing. Just kidding. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, Sherry. Second thoughts. Would you get flashbacks of Negan again, huh? Fucking A. Oh, man, this is so fucking good. Holy shit. My finger's like drained of heat right now. Fuck you, Strand. Yeah, decoder. They're in the church now, aren't they? Sounds a lot like that death cult. Why isn't one of the things we thought of Dakota committing suicide? I got chills. Uh, can you see the goosebumps? <laughs> Through the hair? <laughs> it's been months since they've seen each other. Months. <sighs> that smile. Is that Joan's jacket? No, right? Oh, it is. And Oh, fuck me. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Shut up, Dwight. Let her get a word in. It's not, but is this like a Rick and Shane sort of situation where, where Raleigh's like giving her the D? We're gonna bring that up. Oh, Victor. He's had this image right now of all her arms and legs chopped off. <laughs> like, you know, like, like a weird, like, oh, what's this shit? Penance. Oh, don't thank me. Oh, God. <sighs> I don't know what's going on. I got terrible feelings. Oh, fuck. Remember, John had two guns. Ooh. Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea what happened. Look at those, the glowing brains. That's John's song, too. But it doesn't feel like John... That, like, played played out like a... Like a oh, she should have been... We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes <laughs> of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, and sometimes, most times, we make... We make... We make... We make deep... <laughs> Most times, we go deep. And today, we're here to talk about Fear the Walking Dead's ninth episode of season six. Technically, the mid-season premiere. Hey, we've been back. I, I, I shaved my beard over the hey, break. Hey, look at that. We had, such a, we had such a long break. I had to shave my beard. Because <laughs> I end up, I looked like Rasputin. I was a bit surprised. I was very surprised. We kept getting teased with Ginny's death. I mean, how many times did she almost die in this episode? Like seven? And then finally, we, we get it. I thought we were going to have a few more episodes with Ginny. Before that, before it happened, June was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> I 
Gordon, Gordon shared it. Yeah. Jude said, "Hell no." Jenna was amazing, playing so somber and very sullen and just kind of sad. But honestly, all the stars have to go to Colby for this episode because she was fucking phenomenal. Holy shit. <laughs> She was that's, just that's, that's all you can say. Yeah, she was absolutely fucking amazing. The scene with her and 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 Morgan on the rock was just I mean, literally chilling. I mean, I wasn't even a big fan of Virginia, obviously. Love Colby, hate Virginia. But even in that moment I was like, Oh, oh, but wait, oh god, oh wait. <laughs> right? You didn't know yeah. you didn't know how good you had it until <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like oh, In a weird way, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh man. So. And I kind of, I feel like I have to take a little bit of responsibility for this because I think part of me was kind of like, oh, well, you know, yeah, well, we may see a Ginny turn around. Yeah, she'll be part of the group and then they'll have to get together to fight this big bad. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, and it won't be like the Vultures and it won't be like, <laughs> and meanwhile, it is like the Vultures a little bit, expand a little bit further into another season and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I honestly did not think that Ginny was going to leave this episode. Why? You got to give me more to go on because it's, this, oh, it's uh, supposed uh, to be the season premiere. The fake outs alone convinced me like oh fuck it's not happening so that's that is part of it the other part of it really for me is even with john dying still lulled in the sense of like oh well they don't kill people on the show all right they don't kill. all right this is like eh, season four and five or season five at least same as you like when you see jenny almost getting it on the rock mm -hmm. the axe comes down you're like oh that this is this it is this really it part of you is like how do you let go of such an electric character yeah right they didn't kill negan this is like the money part of my brain it's like, how do you not milk this character? <laughs> how do you not take this awesome acting and like stretch it out, mm -hmm. stretch it out? In the back of my head, I'm like, nah, she's too good. She's and then she was spared. And then you're like, okay, it's over. Take your ball, go home. The second that second gun, that second pistol came out, I was like, oh, that's it. Yep. That's it. That's it. There's no way she's getting out of here alive. Yep. That's when I knew. Yeah. You when know? June had the gun, so, I knew too. Yeah. When Morgan had his axe, I was not convinced. And not only that, neither was any, everybody else around him. Everybody else around him, like Alicia of all people, actually, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more, but like Alicia, Sherry, even looking at him like, ah, is this what I want? Is this is the feeling that I felt just a few seconds ago when I had Ginny in my sights with that pistol, with my, with my pistol. So ah, I didn't feel that great. Uh, I don't know. I feel weird. And then even, I don't know, maybe not Victor. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely Alicia. Even uh, you're. Lo I'm looking at Althea. I'm looking at Dwight. Going, huh? What? Huh? Althea going. Ah, I don't know. I don't know about this. Uh, this is a little bit, a little different than I thought it would be. To all the twists and turns in this episode, all the action that we got, like emblematic of a mid-season premiere. Wonderful kickoff. High action. Quite a few questions answered, and then more questions to drive us through the rest of the season. Hey, Lost. <laughs> anybody? Anybody watch Lost? Same thing. I, I you answer some I questions, stopped. you ask some more. And I stopped watching it. How are you feeling about Strand right now? What do you think his plans are? And what do you think he meant when he showed Alicia he would show her how much we need to, we need them? Or, or, some, or something okay. like that. I, I might have misquoted there, but you get the idea. I think when Ginny saw the razor blade finger walker person, and then the end is a beginning sign, mm -hmm. that's around the time where John split. That means a couple weeks later. I think Victor's army, let's say, for the big show, was supposed to be about Morgan, but then it turned into something else you're gonna be this force that helps fight the end as the beginning people i think and i think that's exactly what he's what he's referring to everybody knows i'm not the biggest fan of strand i always i do think he's out for himself it's 
sounded very threatening to me, like almost like he was going to purposely attack them and, and, and prove to them that they are not as safe as they think they are to force them to come join him. I'm getting some buzzes from the chat about uh, Alani saying Strand is hiding something. Mm. Becky's saying, I wonder if Strand already had made contact with the other group. Ooh. So that could be interesting too. Yeah. Like double dipping or, or triple dipping, really, if you think about it. That would be a very Strandish move to have an in with all the groups. <laughs> I think it's super strand three, to be honest. Like, wow, I didn't realize how strandish he's, he'd become. It's not a bad plan. <laughs> Compare that with the vibes that you get of like, basically being a Ginny clone, doing the things that Ginny does with the fingers up in the air saying, my guys have got it. I can do the finger thing too. And then dip it into a jar of jam and then eat it <laughs> with my fingers. It's like everything strand has ever wanted. Strand from the beginning of the series. I'm in charge. Like I've got the run of this thing. This is how I made my bread and butter. You know, once I convinced everybody that I had, that, you know, I got to part with their money. I'm the man. He's the man without the consequences, right? We talk about consequences a lot lately. Lack of consequences. Look what that did to Negan. There need to be consequences. I'm worried if Strand gets into this position of power. I could be wrong. I'll say that right now. I know a lot of people love Strand, but I could see him going down the very same path Ginny did. Becky's like, Strand's gonna strand and that's why I love him. <laughs> and of course, yeah. some of you had the luxury of watching my first reaction when I saw Strand do Strandish <laughs> things. And I was like, oh, fuck you, Strand. God damn it, man. <laughs> Man, I stuck up for you, man. Right. <laughs> First of all, like, okay, the mid-season premiere obviously sets up a lot of arcs that are going to occur in the second half. And I think one of them is going to be pivotal when it comes to he and Alicia. I think they're not done having that conversation. After the events of Welcome to the Club, Ginny goes, yeah, there's nothing in here. It's just a bunch of walkers. We wanted to know that you were capable enough to fight this bigger threat. And, the, and we know that that bigger threat was Morgan yeah. at the time. Then. Until mm -hmm. Barry next to Jasper's leg, where it was like, oh, it's the end of the beginning, people. That mm -hmm. seems to be a bigger threat. Because if they can infiltrate my people, People, they are probably way worse than Morgan Jones will ever be, right? Mm -hmm. And they may be right. I think Alicia says in that moment, like, no matter what, we'll face this threat together. But Strand has info that Alicia does not have and purposefully holds back. In essence, like, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me because thus far, every proposal I've given you, you're like rejecting. You're like, we got to do things this way. It's almost as if Strand is saying, you have no idea. And if I tell you, you're still going to reject me because you're still in that mode of season five. You you need to be a super Alicia three, okay? But my super Alicia three, you need to be that killer that we saw in you in the beginning of season four. I think he's trying to influence her. He doesn't want the good part of him. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, 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 you've got the wrong idea. I need to be like I used to be and you need to be like you used to be. And I'm gonna show you that you need to be the way you used to be. Which is why he sent her away in Welcome to the Club. He said, I can't be who I need to be with, with you around. And I think Alicia does too. She's just not willing to compromise who she is. Now for Strand, that was always who he is. <laughs> so it's not hard for him. Or it's what he used to be. Mm -hmm. And he's embracing what he used to be. We had this extended conversation about Alicia and the kind of person. And thank goodness, because I don't have to go through it again. You can watch that in the last episode. <laughs> but the, the point is, I think Alicia's still not 100% the person that she's meant to be in this world. And I'm... I'm for it. We can see slow inch by inch progression for Alicia trying to figure out who she is. When we see different iterations of what that person could look like. We don't know what this evidence is, but something tells me that she, this is going to be the biggest challenge of all. Like where Alicia is going to side, where she's going to fall on. Now, the obvious answer is going to be Alicia is going to fall on Alicia's side in some senses. When faced with a two-sided binary solution, Alicia is going to make her own path. I think that's the only answer to, the, to these questions. I'd like to think she's a little more level-headed than that. And would look at all the plans and go with the one that is going to work. It sounds to me like you're describing Strand. <laughs> Here's my path. We're taking this path. 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking even bigger than that. When she is presented with two options, I think Alicia will make her own option. Besides like, what's laid in front of the her. The two. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. If option C is better, I would do the same. I think anybody right. would. But I think, no, I think most people, when they're presented with two options, they choose one of the two. Most people. Oh. Right? Not Alicia. Really? Well, I guess I'm not. Yeah, I think I so. guess I'm not most people. I'd be like, nah, well, we can no. do this better. We're, we're very stubborn. We're very stubborn. <laughs> like that. Yeah. No, and I agree. Like, look, tilting the tripod. What do I do all every week? Yeah. I don't know. I try. I try. I don't know. I don't always have the right solution. So uh, Becky says... Uh, Alicia is still somewhat naive, I think, but she is coming around. I think Strand feels like he is responsible for Alicia due to his friendship with Madison. He probably does feel responsible, but I don't think Alicia looks at him like that. <laughs> this is not a Victor and Madison situation. This no. is an Alicia and, and Victor yeah. situation. They have a unique relationship, I think. Alicia keeps Strand on the path that he was on before in season four. Just by the very nature of her being there, makes it so that he can care for her. And then they kind of look out for each other. Alicia calls Strand out when he goes too far. Strand calls out to Alicia when she doesn't go far enough. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so Yeah. And I'm eager to see that tug between the evidence that he provides, maybe getting swayed by the old Victor, that part of her that has a dark side, that kills without thinking, you know, that ended Mel very suddenly. I do want to mention one thing about that, though, about Alicia, was that uh, you can clearly see her wearing the St. Christopher for medallion where well, there's there's two right daniel gives one to strand in jenny's office and then strand finds one outside of ed's cabin she has the one from daniel she would have gotten it from strand we confirmed that she took oh, that she took it remember with yeah. the photo i went back and, and watched it because i thought she i thought she threw it back to him but she didn't she palmed it why, why would, would she, she have why would two, she have two oh gosh that's kind of annoying now i'm a little irritated yeah me too continuity people continuity <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it represents two choices. <laughs> she needs all <laughs> she the help. Like she needs all the help she can get. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't want to get too lost in the details, but she's clearly wearing one she's noticeable one. Got one on it's at least. sticking okay. out of her shirt. <laughs> Sandy's like, oh. she melted into a big one. Yeah. No, she didn't. She doesn't know metallurgy. Smelting? Maybe. Does she do smelting? You don't know? I know. I know. Sweaty smelting? She, she's good. <laughs> they could have a lot in smelter. <laughs> we give you deep. <laughs> Not not today, <laughs> obviously. We give you deep. Oh, we give you deep. It's oh. easy to miss this one part because you're too busy going. June Dunn did a badass thing, and she does. She has her little walk off moment. But Dakota runs to the doorway of the church and sees her mother's body mm -hmm. all like splayed out. And I don't have a vibe coming off her necessarily. I do see a shock. I think that June may have set a series of events at this point in her discovery that may cause like a cyclical sort of thing, the cycle of revenge. She didn't like her mother that much by the end of it, but there may be something there though, like where she goes, you know, she just told me you didn't have a chance to process it, but maybe I should adventure. I mean, there's, there's gonna be a, a reckoning here. I totally agree with you. And it goes back to um, what do you do and you get exactly what you want. It's exactly what I wanted you to say. This is oh, yeah. <laughs> Dakota got exactly what she wanted, and and I saw the same thing on her face. I I thought I heard her say no, or so yeah, I could totally see that. Like Dakota, especially being a teenager, teenagers don't know what the hell they want to begin with. So this is exactly what she wanted. She wanted Jenny dead. Here she is. She's dead, and now all of a sudden she's not going to like the way that makes her feel. The exact same thing was done to Jenny as was done to John. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, mm -hmm. just when just when she maybe could have gotten used to the idea of, oh, maybe this could be my project. This could be my future. Mm -hmm. It was taken away from her, yep. right? Just like John, when presented with the uh, another option besides killing himself, maybe Dakota could be my project. Dakota seems to be the vertex of both of these characters' demise. I could do like a Charlie thing with you and have it not work too. Uh, but <laughs> 
And this is the key thing. When you've wanted someone dead for so long, and this is also applies to Sherry in a weird way, now that they are dead, how do you feel about that? Who do you become now? Mm-hmm. Is this the thing you wanted, really? Mm-hmm. So we're, t- we're talking about regret here on a on just this wide spectrum scale. You've got Dakota thinking so long that she wants her, her sister slash now mother dead. Wait, is this what I really wanted? Oh, man, this is what I wanted, and now it happened. Now mm-hmm. I don't feel great about it. Sherry, this is what I wanted so long. Morgan's about to kill her. You see the uneasiness in her face. I don't know. <laughs> the only person who seems to be satisfied with the, with the idea that Ginny's gone is Victor. And even when she's gone, it's like, whoosh. Like, okay, let's move on now. Ginny was never the goal. This is the thing that kills me, too. The second I saw Victor go, ha! Like when Ginny was talking just before the executions, I'm like, this is politics. He needs to be this way in order to get the people around him to rally behind him. He needs to feel like I am the voice of my people. Yeah, even though he hasn't gone through anything even close to what these people have gone through. That noise he made pissed me off so much. Ha! Everything I did, I did to say, ha! How has life been so bad for Strand? He got promoted almost right away. With him and Alicia and all that stuff. I mean, it's not nearly as bad as the other people, but how does that make him any different than Sherry? say and it's not even sherry's fight that was what was meant to be pointed out when when Ginny says i don't know you are you new to what are you from one of my franchises yeah <laughs> i'm like as funny as that line was we're like wait what mcdonald's have you been bringing up in the apocalypse <laughs> it was also because you get distracted but that's meant to say something it's like dude who are you to these first of all to these people why are you even more hell-bent than anybody else at get me dead it's the same with victor my brain jumped back to when she lied to dwight and said that she had met her or cross paths or or whatever i'm like okay obviously that was a big old lie check i can m- maybe see a world in which one of those rejects <laughs> Virginia's rejects may have been in contact that reject left and then with Sherry off to somewhere else I can see that Mm -hmm. but even then it's like big old manipulation but you're absolutely right what did Jenny ever do to Sherry it's politics first of all it's baggage for Sherry it's baggage we know the reason Mm -hmm. nobody else does really except for Dwight but then you double down so far you want it so bad for Sherry it's obviously all the wrong reasons which she knows and verbalizes Dwight knows it some other people may know it but you go down this path and you feel like you want it for so long and then all of a sudden think God, Sherry ver- verbalizes it finally by the end with Dwight because your face, Sherry, does not lie. When you see Morgan swing that axe about ready to chop Virginia's head off, there is two things going on in that moment. One is, I don't really know if I want this. Definitely. Same feeling she got when she had Ginny in her sights with the pistol. Second thing is, I definitely know if Morgan is willing to take this on for me, I'm going to let him. It means I don't have to do it. Absolutely. Everybody wants Ginny dead, but nobody wants to do it. <laughs> I th- well, I think everybody says they want to do it, and everybody has the reasons and the motivations to do it, but when it comes down to it, is this what I really want? And everybody's more than happy to let Morgan do it. And only, Sharon, he says, and only June has the balls. Mm-hmm. But even then, that was for her own deeply personal reason. Sher- Sherry has no reason. Victor has no reason. These are the two big factions, right? I'm a little worried <laughs> because June definitely put all the blame on Virginia. She basically blames Virginia for, for John's death. I mean, among everything else that they've been going through. But what does that mean for her and Dakota? The thing you hate in others is the thing you hate in yourself. How dare you even resemble the regret that I had made previously with Rose. It's almost the same thing. And then she says it out loud. The difference is I was trying to save my kid. Your kid murdered another person, the person that I love. You know, it's almost as if I deserve this. So the thing you hate in yourself is the thing you hate in others. But if that thing isn't quite exactly the same, you're going to hate them even more. Like, how dare you compare? This is the question that she's been struggling with. She just wants her to 
say the truth out loud. Just like Morgan wants Jenny to say the truth to Dakota, June wants Jenny to say the truth out loud, even though she knows the answer. And I have a question for you before we go back to Dakota. Had Jenny admitted that Dakota was responsible for John getting killed? Dakota, first of all, killed him. But the fact that Jenny covered up Cameron's murder was the impetus of Dakota eventually killing John. Had Jenny admitted it at the time in the beginning of the episode, do you think June would have been able to process this a little bit better and not kill Jenny? Because I'm sort of asking myself at the same time, because it's a big question. She might have just picked up John's gun and shot her right then and there. <laughs> well, she didn't have John's gun. It was <laughs> well, picked away by Hill. Could have got it back. Uh, she would have gotten killed. Do you think attempt, she would have cared in that minute? I don't know. Let's just say for argument's sake, had she had time to process all of this, being put in the lineup, blah, 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 and then having been told the truth. And first of all, Morgan comes out and tells the truth. Mm -hmm. So that gives her even more validation, processing time. I think I have an answer. And I think it's something that you said last week about <laughs> how do you kill Dakota? Well, you got to do it really fast, right? Yeah. What was the thing that happened in this episode? Ginny admits it really right then and then, and that that's how it has to happen. So bravo to you. <laughs> bravo to you. <laughs> Hey, I got something right. Look at that. Where's the calendar? You made like an interesting uh, prediction in, in a weird <laughs> way, in a weird roundabout way. But it wasn't Dakota. It was Ginny. Right. But it had to, hap it had to happen in the moment. It had to. Right? In the moment. Yes. Because had it happened at the beginning of the episode and she got the, va at least that admission, maybe she could have been on Ginny's side. Maybe. Because you see at first when June is patching Ginny up, she's being very vulnerable. Ginny's being vulnerable back. There's a genuine like exchange of like trying to be sympathetic for one another. And then the thing that got, gets her to wrench out was something Ginny said, I would do anything for my daughter. And then it's like, oh, let me go back to that question I had uh, in the earlier in the episode. Uh, yeah. So did you know you have no reason to hold back now? Mm -hmm. And then she doesn't like the exact wrong thing. I mean, it, it, it's, it was always going to end up that way. But had she maybe had said something at the beginning of the episode when she thought she had everything lined up, Ginny, I think Ginny would have been all right, honestly. With all the processing time. I don't know. You say processing, but it could also just be festering. Well, yeah, the question is festering, too. Even if she got the answer, she could still be festering with that, getting herself more and more angry. I've been in that position where you find out the truth about something and then you are more upset about the truth. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The only reason why I say that is because I think June knew, knows the answer. I think the whole point of the exercise was just, just to get her to admit it. And I think in that in that way, it, it allows her to judge Ginny accordingly. This is the kind of person you are. You could. There's no reason to hold back now, Ginny, in the beginning of the episode. What is the point? John is dead. There's nothing we can do about it. What's been done is done. You have no reason to hold back. Ginny thinks that Ginny's a good person <laughs> for doing everything that she could do, do for Dakota, right, as a mother. And then, you know, you find out the end. And then June is like, nah. Mother to mother, if you were a good mother, you would have told me that. Well, a good mother wouldn't be covering up her children's mistakes either. They would be holding them accountable and teaching them about consequences. That's what a good mother would do. Failing that. You knew this was coming, right? You knew this was coming. But part of me thinks that wouldn't any mother do what Ginny did for her kid? No. Cover? Cover for them? No. The inclination, though? Sure. I would. And, I, and especially in a world with no consequences. Would you think about it? Sure. I, I can't lie and say the thought wouldn't cross my mind, but absolutely not. Absolutely not. If I expect my kid to grow up, even in the apocalypse, if what we're teaching is the future, then accountability, consequences have to be a part of that, and my kid's going to be a part of that. Let's say Dakota killed somebody in the normal world maybe not this exact situation but, but she's <laughs> yeah. she's a teenager right what what would happen right. what would happen she right. wouldn't she would most likely not be charged as an adult she would spend you know some time serving her sentence and then 21 to 25 right and then eventually she'd get out and have a life again i would advocate for him but cover for him no two things to kind of in response to that a <laughs> very glad that you said this because <laughs> 
it brings me to it brings me to one thing that is kind of poignant because one of the things that Morian asks of Rick, they have a conversation in that bar in season eight when they just murder the shit out of all those saviors. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Inclu- including shitty Jared. Essentially, why didn't you go the same path? The same path I did is like because because I, I had my son. That's the difference between Ginny and ever everybody else that seems to have a parent in this universe who wants to be a better person for their kid. This is why I'm glad you answered the way you answered. But second, <laughs> but then it also brings me back to like this. This is me assuming that you did you answered wrong it also kind of brings me back to like what carl does you know a couple times like and we mentioned it last week for some reason also is like you know he killed another kid just because he thought he could be a threat and of course it was covered up and and nobody did anything about it oh carl felt shitty throughout time which is good you want a kid to be able to do that i think that in this episode dakota has inklings of like i killed people like she recognized that what she did was wrong the thing that i said last week was john if you're hold on a second if you're right there is a world with consequences and i have to pay for them i'm not wrong so i'm going to push you off this thing Dakota has no choice now but to accept the truth that her mother spilled out, therefore destroying everything in her mind. So now I'm wondering what to myself, in a world where her world is shattered now, and she, what is the thing she says? I shouldn't be alive. Mm-hmm. But then she says no one should. Yeah. And that got me a little worried too. But she starts with herself and she realizes I have no reason to be alive. I did something wrong. There should be consequences. But then she says no one should, which is not wrong. Everybody in this world has done something terrible in order to stay alive whether it's for others whether it's for themselves whatever it is you can maybe see Ginny's actions as being like it's tough but we say this sometimes about Negan you could say oh it's justified because Negan wants to save as many people as possible oh it's justified because Rick wants to save as many people as possible it's justified because Morgan in his current murder state or maybe not anymore we can talk about that too wanted to save his family let's say but still this is like a rubber band effect she's realizing that oh yeah I have to pay for this. I need to live in this new world and have the consequences like live in that, not the gilded cage, but the actual cage in a free world, let's say, which gets me to think different things because it it, it makes me wonder about some of the conversations we had last week about how do you kill this kid or how do you not, or how do you live with the consequences? Because now if you don't do it in the moment and well, now reality starts to set in, you realize she is aware of what she's done and there's a world in which there may be something for her. But when she says nobody does, I, my first thought was the death cult oh yeah for sure but then i always try not to go with my first instinct maybe she's just saying that because everybody's done something aren't first instincts supposed to usually be the right ones no there's two schools of thought trust your feelings but then there's also like don't trust your first instinct so it's like these two conflicting pieces of advice okay i i yeah. i get that because usually my first instinct is to like punch something <laughs> and that's probably yeah, not, that's yeah. probably not a good problem solver exactly right <laughs> my first instinct is usually violence and then i go hmm but I can do this better. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm being corrected. Herschel told Rick and Rick pulled Carl back. He didn't cover him. Well, yeah, but he still did the thing. He didn't pay for it. Yeah, he Herschel did tell Rick yeah. what Carl did. Yeah. But they didn't tell like the rest of the group, I guess. That's what yeah. I took. That's what I thought you meant by covering it up. Well, I mean, they <laughs> I didn't mean, tell anybody they're else. They're both in on it. Yeah, they didn't it's tell like, anybody it, else. It's just like Hill and Ginny, okay? It's like <laughs> they both covered up Carl's murder, okay? <laughs> or his murdering. To be fair, the kid that Carl killed was not part of our group. I guess. He was not a symbol sure. of hope. <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, murder is murder, people. <sighs> mm. You get what I mean. Becky's like, there you go, using my logic against me. <laughs> 
So yeah, what does that mean for Dakota? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, but don't I'm eager know. to find out. You may feel the same way as last week, but we were put in a place <laughs> where we're like, oh, the, first of all, we thought Ginny was going to be around a lot longer. That's one thing. Yeah. Which makes us more mad at Dakota, right? Because these two things happen at once. This enabled that to enable that to enable that. Dakota enabled Ginny. Ginny enables Dakota. Dakota enables murder. <laughs> 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 I would I would have rather but, had Ginny for a few more episodes and killed Dakota this episode. <laughs> Right, as a le- as almost like a lesson, or like the theory that you came out last week. Oh, have Ginny be the one to murder Dakota, right? Yeah, something. Yeah. When Ginny reveals that Dakota is her daughter, I should show a clip of me doing yes, yes, Ginny, yes. Oh, validated. Which is interesting because I'm not the only one who first thought this. <laughs> Like, I'm looking at yeah. Twitter, I'm like, yes, I thought that too. I'm like, fuck you, you did not think that too. You don't have a podcast. What? <laughs> you have a platform? It. Prove it. Prove it. <laughs> I want the tapes. Give me the receipts. Yeah. Now you're just talking shit, people. I said it was possible. I mean, I was, you know, I'm anything, you know, sure, why not? Yeah. So I got a lot, I, I got a lot of people laughing at me. I think that's that was my exact, I think that was my exact response. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Sure, yeah, that's exactly like I want you to take me seriously. Yeah. And then even I was like, by the end, I was like, yeah, maybe not. Whatever. But we can't claim everything. But first of all, both of you, you and Sharon, last week were like, uh, how old would that make Colby Minifee? Oh, how old is Zoe Coletti? Yeah, ten years old. I don't think so. Vindicated. This is the reason why I had the reaction I did because even I didn't think I was right. I was just like, right, right, whatever. And I'm like, yeah. what? 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 Yeah. Really? I was. Wow. Really? I was also on your side because at 10 a 10 year old could conceive a child if everything is working <laughs> i went like what what's the percentage on that though <laughs> I in elementary school there were girls who started early and could could conceive. It's possible. It was old to get. I've never you, heard of that. All you all you need is to have. A, I live in New York. All you need is to have a period to get pregnant and sex, obviously. But but at ten year, I know ten year olds who flowered that early. Sorry, I'm trying not to use gross words. I'm just. I'm just no, <laughs> I, look, my my own cousin did. I, yeah, let's, let's it be is, honest. It is possible, but however, I, mean, it's, I think it's. it's I think it's physically more likely, possible. Yes, it is physically possible. I think it's more likely that Zoe Coletti is playing a much younger character. I don't. Think, I think so too. I don't think Dakota's nineteen. I think she's more like sixteen. I can easily see them both being uh, both she and Charlie, Dakota, mm-hmm. the characters, Dakota and Charlie being the same age. Maybe sure. you're older. Maybe, maybe you're cl- less. Yeah, sure, close. Of course, it, we get that because Alexa's so mature and Charlie's kind of maturing too. So she she acts older. Colby could be playing a character who's older than she is too. I. I felt yeah. that too. Sharon is even saying it. Jenny could be in her early 30s. That age difference makes way more sense. The whole point being is like, I didn't think I would be right. I was like, let's just throw it out there and yeah. see what sticks. Because, and my whole rationale was because this doesn't look like somebody who would protect, you know, like, uh, like uh, what's the deal here? Uh, it was weird. Doing, I don't know. It was a yeah. weird relationship. We had said that right from the get. I want more information about their past. To be perfectly frank, they really, what they really did was two times Ginny had tried to tell Morgan exactly what happened. And then and they, like, bo- yeah. and they cut it off. <laughs> Sorry, the second time was when, I think when June was, when she and June were in the same room, and that's when she got caught. And I feel like that's why she was telling June to not, to stop. I feel like Ginny Mar- being marked for death, doesn't. that's not the reason why she's like, no, no, wait, June, wait, wait, wait. Mm. I don't think it's because she, she wanted to live. 
honestly. I think it was like, no, no, I need to finish the story. I need to tell oh. Dakota exactly what happened, to be honest. Yeah, Becky's saying, I think there's a dark backstory there, and I completely agree. I, I mean, it's got to be dark. Jenny says things like, I did all of this so that what happened to me would never happen to you. Those are loaded words. Becky's saying what I said last week also. I think it could be an incest thing. I think it could be the dad. I had the same disgusting thought. What's wrong with me? Why does my brain go there? But that that is exactly what I thought. You have to think in those terms. That's like the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And to have a kid yeah. out of that, that's like the worst thing. And it would it would make sense why Dakota was raised as her sister instead of her, her daughter. That theory, for me, answers a lot of the questions that I have right now. But to be honest, I don't think it's necessary. Because you asked me that. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I think, I, I think we have enough. Sometimes it is enough. That maybe even the imagination of what could have happened is actually more powerful than what it what it actually is because let's just say they say it they say it out loud and you're like oh that's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be then it doesn't have the same power but now that we don't know maybe we'll never know your imagination can go to places that fill in the blanks that are horrible way worse than what they would think if they do give us a backstory to any of this it's only going to going to be to build sympathy for dakota so i don't i don't i don't think i need it either because then i'm just gonna feel for dakota and i don't want to do that <laughs> and i think that's actually intentional i think they still want to keep you in a place where you're like really really mad at dakota but at the same time now there's a little bit of like a well dakota got just got this bombshell of news the idea of just before Ginny gets killed i'm fine with the idea that they go off in the sense that we never hear from them again part of me is like just put them away just get them off the show get them i don't want to see them ever again <laughs> what's done is done there's nothing we can do can't get them back we can't get john back there's no time machine here get him fuck off the show get him off i don't want to ever see them again because and again this is like going back to morgan swinging that axe bow axe I don't enjoy the idea of Morgan having to execute Ginny, let's say, or kill a kid, Dakota. There's that part of me that's like, w what are we doing here? The last words I said to you before I thought I was going to die was just live, just live. And if I don't hold up to my end of the bargain, like if I don't practice what I preach, who, what are we doing out here? Of course, everybody chimes in with the, everybody all at once. It's comparing this to all the end of All Out War where Rick says, blah, blah, blah. We got to pay, pay the price, Negan. You got to spend it in jail. We got to adhere to the charter that Michonne is planning. Get to buy everybody with the low-hanging fruit. Of course. Of course it's meant to evoke feelings of all-out war. Of course it is. In the context of Fear the Walking Dead, the idea of just live. And I have to bring it back to that because one of the things that maybe not everybody pointed out, but maybe Sharon did and I missed it, was the parallel that Morgan has with Alicia in Close Your Eyes. When Alicia and, and Charlie are in the basement and it's flooding and Charlie's like, please, I don't want to end up being like my parents. That last memory I don't, I don't want to be out there in the world chomping at people or whatever it's going to be. Kill me here. And Alicia's going into the recesses of her mind, thinking of the most, the things that would anger her the most to kill Charlie. And then she goes to these, you know, Strand's hand getting on fire and, you know, the last moments of Madison being, and she's like, she's finding that mad, like, oh, you go, oh, all this because you killed my mom. And then she remembers the good out here. And she remembers the talk she has with her mother, why they did all this, the good out here, the other side of where you are now. And then her angry feelings turn into feelings of, if I do this, I'm going to be ruining the last memory my mo my mother gave to me, which was I had to stop at some point. At some point, we needed to live. We needed to build a future. And if I end Charlie in this moment, like all the things that she was trying to get herself to angry about, this Morgan is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Morgan is flipping through the memories that would get her the most. They're like, oh, this guy motherfucker tried to kill me. <laughs> 
this motherfucking Emil tried to kill me. You wanted my head off. Oh, and then she's, he's going back and he's thinking of other things. He's trying to remember John. Like how, oh, you killed my best friend, John. You know, he, he's floating down the river somewhere. It's like, oh, but then he remembers John. And he remembers what he stood for. And he remembers how he pulled him out from the depths. And he tries to impart this lesson of just trying to be a person in the world and try to be with people. And they're worth it. They're worth it because then they can save you. And then he just can't do it. He can't do it. It's the same thing. It's the same parallel. And I love it. I love it. It's it's almost as a sh it's almost a shame that this was episode six oh nine because if it was six ten that would be kind of good symmetry. Okay, this is a television show. It is under yeah. it is entertainment. This is not real life. So is it entertainment? Our <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, yeah, it is entertainment, and there are heroes. We need to see our heroes struggling with this decision and then pulling back because if they didn't, they wouldn't be our heroes. Yeah, but even then, like the reasons for it, like because you have to think of a reason. The rare, very ultra rare flashback scenes. This is another Michael Satrazimus thing. He pulled it out again, you know, just, just this one time, <laughs> just this one time. But I, I, but again, it's good to say that this is a parallel. This is a very, very clear parallel to close your eyes. Alicia and Morgan both struggling. And that's why I refer to Alicia with that knowing look when he's about to swing the ax, even talking about swinging that ax, Alicia and him have this knowing glance. It's like, there's this clear symmetry where what am I, what am I doing here? I'm letting you do the same thing that you didn't let me do when it came to June herself back at the diamond. I was gunning for her. I was trying to get her. I was trying and I was going to get her. And you stood in my way and you said, you got to know when to stop. I'm, I'm going to stop you. I didn't get in the way when, you, when your brother was about to make the same mistake. It's all part of it. Seeing the faces of the people around him, allowing him to do the thing that they can't themselves do anymore. And I think it just all comes into play. It all, it all just swirls around into this, this moment. Because what are we doing here? You all had your moment. You all had your moment. You all had that moment where you could have done something and you didn't. Why didn't you? And why are you expecting me to? Me of all people. You want me to be your fucking Jesus here? They want him to die on the cross. They had the reckoning. Sharon, he's like, it's not real. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon to hit, hit on something that I actually have in my notes though do you know who the hero is throughout all of this and she's like so understated actually in the episode Althea do you want to know why because the truth is the real hero and it's this whole idea of the truth spoken out loud only once changes everything what's the one thing that gets Ginny to fall Morgan says it's over for you here's why and it's like the twisted round story all over again so Althea tells this story about twisted round and season four. Oh, that one this yeah. warlord and the only thing that really kept him in power was keeping everybody's mouth shut. But as soon as somebody started telling the truth out loud, like the power that this guy had over everybody was only power as long as everybody shut the fuck up. As soon as everybody spoke up, they all kind of rose up against him and he lost his entire outfit. Right. He fell. Just because just of words spoken out loud. The truth spoken out loud. Even if nobody's around to hear it. How is Althea the hero of this episode? Truth is the hero. Where does Althea come in? The things that Althea has said, especially in season four, where just saying the truth out loud changes everything all the way down to Madison. The truth out loud in that tape is the bomb that Alicia needed. I know you guys are going to be okay. It's this recurring theme of like this, again, this callback of like, because of this twisted round story, it just superimposed on, and that's Althea's story. That's her, what she brings to the table. So Morgan uses that in this scenario as like as a weapon, you know, against Ginny. And it's instantly over for her. The tape is not the point, is, is the idea. The truth spoken out loud, if only once. Oh yeah, that's like her whole shtick is to get the truth, the story. The story doesn't matter. It's the it's the idea. Her whole thing was getting people to say the things that they need to say. And that's the very thing that gets things to change for everybody. And in fact, even through season five, the more she gets people to talk on her tapes, the more everybody's 
finally start to admit it's not about helping others. Helping others is helping themselves. Althea keeps coming back. Now, even if she's not like an active role in the show, <laughs> her idea of the truth spoken out loud, if only once. Her messages are carrying through. That theme that Althea imparts for the rest of this, as the series thus far, since she's been in it, has changed everything. This is why she will continue to be the, he, probably be the hero throughout, hopefully, the season two. But I kind of want her to do I'm some shit, too. I'm pretty sure <laughs> June was the hero this episode, but that's just me. Was what June did heroic, though. Like, murder somebody in cold blood. All right, d now we need to talk about what defines a hero. There's no doubt in my mind that what she did was very badass. But what does it mean? I'm going to say this out loud. I was almost upset that she wore John's hat after that. After holding the hat this entire episode, not wearing it, and it representing John. And when Morgan thought of John, it got him to stop killing. After June m murdered Ginny, that's when she put it on. I was kind of like weirded out because I wasn't going to say yeah. betrayal, but I was like, of course, it's a cool walk off. She's wearing the oh, hat. Yeah. She looks so good. She looks so good. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not cheering for this. I see why you feel that way. I do. Because because of what John stood <laughs> for and what he represents. And, yeah. and, you know, he is the goodness. We talked last episode about John being too good for this world. John not being able to do what is necessary in this world. June is what is necessary in this world. She is the part of John that can do what needs to be done. So I see a little bit. I agree with that sentiment. But then you start to realize, was it necessary? In in utilitarian necessity terms. I mean, right? again, is, is, any, killing of, is necessary? any of this necessary? <laughs> again, was it necessary for the world, for, for the other people, or was it necessary for June? Because I think it was important for her. She needed to do it. And maybe she wasn't really thinking about anybody else at the time. Can we blame her for that? I won't. Because <laughs> we're not in her position. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it right now. That too. We're, we're, it's easy for us. We're all like armchair murderers. <laughs> like, we're like, you know what I mean? Like, we're armchair. We're like, oh, yeah, do the thing. Do right. it. Do, just do, do it. Kill Ginny. Kill her. Kill but I have to not be that. I have to be like, okay, let's just, yeah, what does this mean? What is it? What, what does it mean for someone, especially her, who is so connected to John? Yeah. The thing that made her come out of that very moment she had just been talking about just earlier to come out and realize that I can have love in this world. Or maybe, maybe, because she does talk about maybe you're my punishment. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this is just the chickens coming home to roost. Mm -hmm. You know, you taking away the very thing that I thought was deserved to me. Maybe she's in a space where I was right all along. I shouldn't have thought for one second that I could have love in this world. Are you literally going to erase what this represented to you? Because that's what you're doing. If you think this is your punishment and, and you're realizing that, fuck you, you got to die. You took away the idea that I could have love in this world. So fuck you no consequences bye <laughs> so there's something off here from my point of view what do you think would have happened if dakota killed june and john was face to face in this situation it wouldn't have happened. You think John would have killed Ginny? Either Ginny or Dakota. I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. I'm not ready to say he wouldn't. He has a dark side. I'm kind of like the opposite. I'd be like, of course not. And then I'd go, maybe. Right. So that's <laughs> the thing. We're talking about instinct and then not trusting your first instinct. But my feeling is he wouldn't. Is that accurate, though, for you two? Like, it's like, no, of course he will, maybe. That's the feeling. The two things going on at the same time. It's good to verbalize that murmur, murmur, that thought in your head. <laughs> that amorphous, simultaneous sort of thing. 
But with June, it was like the opposite. Oh, she would, yeah, of course she would kill her. But wait, what is, wait, hold on a second. What does that mean then? What are the consequences? Mm. Right. Does that mean I'm erasing? Or am I in the process of not believing that this could have ever been true? This love thing is ever possible for me? Or is it maybe that you took the thing away from me and now I'll never have it again? And if that's the case, what does June become? Now we can leave it there because the one thing that we do get is a little life preserver. We get the, um, the one up because the one up is what? The letter. The letter that she slips into her pocket that, that Rabbi Kessner gives her just as he's entering the gates. Yep. Now that hopefully has something there. Maybe some wisdom that he gives to June saying, don't go after Ginny. Too late. <laughs> But that could be like that last thing he imparts on her. Don't go going down the same road that I did. Maybe his letters had just live. We also have to remember the headspace he was in when he wrote that letter anyway, which was completely different from where he was at right before Dakota got him. The one thing that he told Rabbi Kessner that he left out of the of the note was his story about his dad mm -hmm. and the psycho killer that he went after not knowing which way was up, but making sure that everybody else could live in, in a world where they knew which way was up. So that's interesting. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how those two things come together. Or about John's dad. June is his tether. But yeah, but also John was her tether too. This is what I was saying last week with rabbis and parents and having them around. As long as June knows that John is out there, she's okay. It doesn't matter where he is. But once you take that comfort away, now she could be okay regardless. But once you take somebody like that away, that something happens. Oh, I don't live in a world of security now. I don't live in a world where I'm secure in the thought that that person is out there. And it makes me happy just knowing that they're alive. That's what he says to her before she leaves. Knowing that you're out there makes the whole world alive. Now he's, he's not there. So here we we are. Sharon's like yelling, she's gonna be the bad guy. She's gonna be the bad guy. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want her to be the bad guy. I don't either. Because then she's the bad guy. I don't want to not like her. Has that ever happened? I can't think of a show or or, or even in the past of this show where a, a good guy turns into a bad guy and somehow it's still okay. Sharon, we need to talk more in depth about this. I can't wrap my head around that. If she's bad, then she's bad. Okay. So Becky says maybe, maybe we'll get a mirror of Rabbi Jacob talking with you in the same way we talked with John. Oh, that'd be really cool. But so, okay, maybe. let me clarify. When, Charity, when you say bad guy, okay, what I am thinking is that June is going head-to-head -head with our group, or are you just saying she's going to go after maybe the end of the beginning people on her own and be bad in, in the way she approaches taking down this group? Right. That Being I could get, bad to be good. Yeah, that I could get behind. Like, like John's dad. Right, that I could get behind, but I can't get behind her being an enemy of our group. I will give Sharon a tick in her corner because what happens in the beginning of this episode is you, you get this foggy state that June's in, which mm -hmm. hats off to Satrazimus oh, and Adam Shusitsky. That beginning scene was so well done. It's all of us in that shocked moment where we're like doing the things. We're just on autopilot. We're doing the things. And this is the perfect episode to watch headphones with because you're hearing Morgan, Morgan. It's like Ginny's talking on the radio, trying to get Morgan to kind of give me Dakota, give me Dakota. Hear her pacing back and forth. Like in Morgan. your like in your headphones, you can hear her pacing back and forth. And the growing frustration, anger towards Ginny is also spilling over into Morgan. In a way, hearing the name Morgan makes her like, this is your fault, isn't it? June? June, yes. You were with him. Mm. Where were you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also now, now she's dealing with Morgan, not dealing with June. Remember we said June and, and Ginny had this thing going on. Ginny respects June. June's run, June could run this thing, this, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden that that's it sort of shifted off of June for some reason just now it's Morgan now I'm not saying that June is selfish or anything I'm not saying that at all but like it's almost as if she got knocked down it's not 
Ginny's fault that she got knocked down, mm -hmm. but maybe it's Morgan's. Right? <laughs> Let me explain now. When all you're hearing is Morgan, Morgan, Morgan from this annoying voice, and you get to the end of the episode, what is the one rule that Morgan says? If you want to be behind, this is the law. This is our rule. You come in here, you live in peace. Nobody gets, nobody kills anybody in this in these walls. Put your weapons away. This is not a place for killing. This is a place for living. Just live. <laughs> was the one, the first thing that happens, not moments after he declares this. <laughs> The first murder. And then June, she's like, I, I'm out of here. I did it. I'm gone. Yeah. See ya. You don't, have to, it, I'm gone. you don't have to ask me to leave. I know my way out. <laughs> you can't kill me, so bye. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, that's yep. not what we do here, right? Yep. But as she's passing through the gates in the foreground, you see the bow axe and she's walking off in the distance. The murder, the thing that we thought we, we were going to put this down. I hope to God we never have to use this. And here we are. I rolled my eyes when Morgan said that. I'm like, really, dude? Just grab it now. You know you're going to need it in like a half hour. <laughs> but that's the thing. I feel like part of that is an, a fuck you to morgan fuck what you're trying to do here i'm getting mine really no i guess I i'm didn't, not having it i guess i didn't really think that she was thinking about morgan at all this is sharon's theory at the end of sigla one morgan died and became someone else taking on parts of his catalyst like the axe head and emile's clothes at the end of 609 the 6b premiere technically june dies and be dies and becomes someone else keeping parts of her catalyst his hat his ring and gun in 6a morgan was building something and taking on a threat Ginny. In 6B, what if 6B is about June building something while taking care of a threat, the death cult, which is appropriate giving the mortician slash John's dad connection? What if the end of 6B is Morgan and June facing off? You mean each other, first of all, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not join forces against the mm -mm, death cult. So mm -mm, what, mm -mm. so what, what? Why? Regardless of the death cult, I think they face off. Why? Because their ideologies are different. Because you don't think like I do, I'm going to attack you? Come on. The only thing that's not sitting with me is why Morgan and June would be facing off. Everything else I totally agree with, I totally see, except for Morgan and June facing off. I would need a, a why. The only thing I have for that is, is and, and again, I just mentioned it now, like just a couple seconds earlier. I think there is a part of June that's like, fuck Morgan. He was there. He should have protected John. Had we not listened to John about this play, and holding back and then keeping everybody safe and then you know first of all she may even resent them all the way back to the gulch giving up to Ginny. okay if, if we if we if we hadn't listened to morgan in the first place we wouldn't all get captured john would have been put in this position where he'd have to figure out a murder yeah. the murder that was rigged against them from the very beginning that was covered up by Ginny, that was perpetrated by dakota again it's like the guy down story i'm more in that camp rather than her right? her blaming morgan for what happened to john i mean I, i'm trying to put myself mm -mm -mm. i'm trying to put myself but it all there, comes though. it all comes back to morgan though it all comes back to morgan because now, of saying... the gulch thing though i'm i'm agreeing with the gulch not the not but, what happened on the bridge but, but all together all of it adds up it's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes what they're feeling in the moment even if it's irrational you could take a thing that, that made perfect sense at the time how long are we going to keep running away from Ginny? what is the game plan here and of course everybody agreed they had their wedding anyway just as a gesture of like no matter what happens from this point forward we're going to be together forever in our hearts and minds and no matter where we are yep and because they were in different places now all well and good until Ginny is confirmed with the idea that John is dead and dead for all the wrong reasons, like almost a meaningless death. But you take that and it gets all twisted. If it hadn't been for Morgan, fuck that guy. The Gulch, that's that was Morgan. Oh, I didn't want to, yeah, you know, I didn't want to do this. Whatever. He held back somehow. Like he probably wanted people to live. He just probably probably <laughs> compromised with Dakota, and Dakota just shot the motherfucker. Like holy shit, it's all Morgan's fault. Morgan buzzing in her ear as she's trying to bury John on autopilot. Jenny complaining to Morgan. Morgan is responsible for this. Morgan's the one she's dealing with. Morgan is the one that Jenny Jenny was dealing with this whole time. Fuck Morgan. It doesn't have to make rational sense, but it has to be rational enough for June to be like, this is why I'm here. If I'm June, I could blame Morgan.
Morgan for the whole mess because he called Jenny and, and turned everybody in. The bridge situation, obviously, had, had the Gulch not, had Morgan never gotten a hold of Jenny, this wouldn't have happened. I, I get that chain of events. But my husband's with his best friend. My husband gets killed. Do I blame his best friend? No, I don't. I blame the person who shot him. You can't. It's a kid. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I can. <laughs> We all agree on the on the on the on the impetus and that it kind of makes sense to June why she would have reservations about Morgan, I think. But I think what's interesting is that I remember when Ginny is finally revealing that she's Dakota's mom. And there's a moment on Morgan's face where when she reveals it, he's like, Oh my god, why? Why does that why do you have to have kids? Why why does this have to be your kid? And I will know, even though he has that face, and even though his immediate again, we're talking about <laughs> gut feeling and, and then also taking a moment for second thoughts right like your gut feeling is like i instantly relate to you but then later on twice he's like is that story true twice he says is mm -hmm. that story true were you telling me the truth back there so this gets me to kind of feel like yes morgan yes yes you're not going on the first instinct you're thinking you're thinking yeah yeah but you can't help it <laughs> you can't help it you're already in the not the trap but you're already in the space where you get it you understand her fully now you would do anything for your kid maybe not cover up a murder but you get the feeling you get the instinct you understand where she comes from this whole episode is almost summarized by the very person you wouldn't expect when Ginny says we're all the same it really puts everything into perspective mm -hmm. which gets me to think that it, is Morgan at some point going to face a, a, a situation where if Grace's life is on the line compared to the lives of others and maybe this is what this death cult is going to find is maybe going to have him face off and do is Ginny going to be wrong about this or is Ginny going to be right that Morgan would would save grace over all the people that he's met you know i wonder there's not enough info to really talk about this but like mm -hmm. i wonder if this is what it's going to end up coming to let's read what uh, becky's writing kids can be mean vicious creatures i think that's why moms are like yeah it's possible for kids that kids can do evil things and forgive me for saying this mamas tend to be more disciplinarians than their fathers at least in my experience mm -hmm. And Sharon D is sticking to her theory until proven otherwise. We can clearly see that she's going down this this path where it's like no right. fu zero fucks given. We have to remind everybody they're they're going to be bouncing through time again. So next episode could be a couple weeks later, and I think it is actually. Love. I love that little exchange between Sherry and Morgan when they're trying to run away from the outcasts just after Ginny revealing that she's Dakota's mom. Mm -hmm. They the outcasts come with Swati, and you're like, oh shit, nobody really survives Swati, but they do, of course. Sherry has that moment with the pistol to to Ginny, and Morgan just lays Sherry out and. He, and Sherry delivers this line, and I love the response more than the line. You're no different than she is. And Morgan goes, what the fuck did you say to me? I laughed so loud because I was like, oh, and because the response to that, the response to that should be, and that's when she knew she fucked up. <laughs> I was like, fuck you say to me? The fuck you say? I'm just like Jenny. The fuck you say to me? <laughs> I'm like, first of all, you said what was in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. I mean, you, you saw my reaction. I'm like, that is the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. Then she says something. You, you, you're pretending like you're protecting everybody. Blah blah blah. And we both know, we all know that this is just her projecting that Negan shit. You could even say that Rick shit, because Rick promised us that, that he would save us. Or Negan promised us that he was saving people, but he wasn't saving people. You act like you're, you're saving people. You're just like Negan. And Morgan was right to say, the fuck do you say to me, right? <laughs> Don't put
put your shit on me. Don't put your fucking shit on me. I was so mad. <laughs> it's like the more I thought about it, like don't put your fucking Negan shit on me. I'm not one to be trifled with. Even though by now Dwight has told Sherry, this is how all that war ended. I'm only here because Daryl spared me, blah, 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 all that stuff. Something we've said on the show about Carol being in the kingdom and having six whole years of, of great times with Ezekiel. Like we didn't see it though. So it's hard for us to, to really feel it. The same applies here with Sherry. I didn't get to see it. I didn't have the benefit of seeing it with my own two eyes. And so it's easy for us to kind of first of all go, fucking Sherry, stop. <laughs> it's easy for us. Armchair murderers. That's what we are. We're armchair murderers. <laughs> Because we didn't feel it. We're not there. We don't have the stakes right before us. We're not, this isn't a real show, by the way. In case you didn't know, this is not a real thing. <laughs> so it's just entertainment, right? Yeah. But anyway, if we're putting ourselves in Sherry's shoes. I had a hard time. I had a hard time until, until I saw the whole of this episode. I got to see the confusion in her face as Morgan's about to, like the conflicted nature of her when Morgan's about to swing the axe. I got to see that. I got to see her projecting on Morgan's, like really determined, like she's still going down this path. But then I had the luxury of when we were talking about, I think, uh, Diverged, I think it was. All of that together actually got me to figure out sharing this moment, which is a good thing for us and for you guys who are watching. But it's also a bad thing. I don't know if the average watcher is going to easily figure this out for themselves. Not to say them belittling the average watcher, but I'm saying it's very easy to get lost in what's going on with Sherry. You can either be really pissed off or you can be like super on her side. I don't know if there's anybody who kind of straddles the middle and saying, I see what's going on here because I can, because I've parsed it out over other episodes and seeing things from other points of view from other episodes and doing this and doing that not seeing it for myself but knowing how it happened and and still like having that vengeance having the need to double down for politics sake because i got my people behind me going they want results i gotta give them what they want victor sherry same thing enter the age of politics sherry just annoys the piss out of me right now i'm sympathetic that she went through something traumatic but maybe there's something about her and dwight's relationship that i'm not quite grasping but but why would she not want to be with him? If I went through what Sherry did, the person I would want to be with is my husband. I would want that comfort, that protector, that person who really loves me around me. So my only conclusion is the same one you came to, that Raleigh's giving her the D. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that because I didn't want to have to do it. I already said it on Twitter. That's that's <laughs> listen, the only listen, that's listen. the only rationalization I can come to because if <laughs> if if there weren't another person involved, why would you not be with the person who loves you most in this world? First of all, you brought out something that I completely didn't think about. Look at the juxtaposition of June having just lost John, and wouldn't you think for one second? But it's easy not to. The first thing you have to you ought to appreciate is that you have that tether and maybe she does think that maybe she takes it for granted like as long as he's out there in the world I'm fine but what if something does happen to Dwight mm -hmm. is she fine after that oh I waited too long mm -hmm. I was only able to do the things that I was able to do because I knew Dwight was out there in the world shoulda woulda coulda we admitted our feelings about how do we get into the position where we actually like Dwight now we're like side-eyeing Sherry because again we didn't see her yeah not until now we didn't see her we don't know what she's up to we don't know what she's been through we don't care because <laughs> she's out of sight out of mind that's the painful truth out of sight out of mind right it, it's true sad but true yes and, and so we turn the guns from dwight to, and feel free to say i'm wrong but we turn the guns from dwight and we kind of turned him on sherry and we're like fuck this sherry bitch like dwight he's inside <laughs> in mind oh dwight poor dwight <laughs> poor dwight <laughs> fuck you sherry fuck you sherry fuck you all this fuck what are you doing what are you doing to my dwighty boy <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, it's all your fault. But we have to do this because then we have to, we have to get into this headspace, yeah. right? For all our thinking, thinking for various reasons, because the comic books, you know, the source material, like, you know, we know J Sherry in the comic books has a demise, but it's a completely different story. Completely. Yes. But for all of us looking at Sherry, the show could easily get rid of Dwight and have it be okay, because now we have this John and June subplot where the past can repeat again. And when we take Dwight out of the picture, what happens to Sherry? Does Sherry become a more important character because Dwight's gone? What happens to Sherry because of that? That's interesting, right? Because you wouldn't think yeah. of it because you're too focused on one thing. But all of a sudden, mm. that, when that, that floor drops away, Dwight goes away. First of all, we started getting used to Dwight. We started liking Dwight. Like, as dumb as some of the things he thinks and says are, which is true. I love how consistent Dwight as a character is. He's not a smart person by any means. He says wise things, but he's definitely not a smart person. He just doesn't know, know what's going on half the time. Doesn't know what to do half the time. But sometimes he pulls out a nugget because of the things he's seen. He goes, you can build your shit in here. You can do that. Like, it's the right answer, but he gets to it in like the most fumbly bumbly way. <laughs> and adorable. I love that. I love that he's consistent. Yeah, he's you know? adorable. Right. He's like, he's like, ador <laughs> he's adorable. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, you mean, you mean well. You mean well. Yeah. Sometimes you say the smart thing, but it doesn't feel like it came from your mouth. Like, it just feels like it came from your experience. Like, yeah. I know that this is the answer. I don't know how I, I know how I got there. I don't know why it's the good answer, but here it is. Eh, even a um, broke clock's right twice a day. Dwight is not the smartest guy in the room, but he means well. Yeah. And that is Dwight in a nutshell. And he, he loves well. Sherry. He loves Sherry. I mean well, and I love Sherry. Yes. I mean well, and I love Sherry. That's <laughs> the essence of his character. Yeah. Becky says, Sherry might not be able to do the things she needs to do if Dwight is there and holds up a mirror to her to what she once was. So I could see people arguing with me and saying, Becky, this might be what exactly what you're talking about. Sherry can't be with Dwight because it just reminds her of everything she went through. Seeing him puts her back you know, mentally in the sanctuary. Okay. Mm, eh. I'm not in that camp because they were married before that. They have memories mm -hmm. before the sanctuary. So I don't think it's about that anymore. I think she's almost resentful that he's in this place. She's like, I'm not there and I'm not going to be there. I'm not there just yet. I'm getting still getting deep from Raleigh. <laughs> Right? <laughs> no. This is why I say Dwight knows the answer begrudgingly. He puts his hands on his hips and go, well, all right. You know, he lets her go. He's right. Because yes. if you have any hope of her coming back, you got to let her go through the process. Yep. But again, don't take too long, Sherry. Don't let this repeating theme of this season mm -hmm. play out because it may be too late for you. That's all I'm saying. And I feel like this season is just, it's not that it's predictable, but I feel like since the themes kind of repeat, the end is the beginning. Now that I'm thinking about it, Sherry, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, of course. Does Sherry even know June and John? I'm going to say no. Yeah. Not really. May no, but maybe in story, but I don't think, I don't think she's ever met them. So she can't really, it'd be hard for her to look at their situation. Like, do, is she even aware of the situation? Does she even know maybe that she, June lost her husband? She might have no idea. And maybe she's hearing this for the first time seeing it play out for the first time but she knows of them she knows that it could be her but she doesn't really know the details she doesn't know again not seeing it firsthand mm -hmm. like like the fall of the sanctuary mm. she's she's got all sorts of blind spots right now becky mentions earlier on she says there's an interesting parallel with dwight and sherry about the letter that sherry wrote to dwight that he holds on to when she leaves there's a little bit of a parallel with that to john when he leaves this world obviously but when he mm. before he leaves lawton how about that line about victor being responsible for the lineup morgan people are all here telling them to keep quiet or things will escalate how about <laughs> i escalate going... my foot up your ass <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Yeah. Finally, finally. It's been too long since we had a Sarah. Yes. The Sarahism. Yes. And Sharon says, Sarah channeling a red foreman from, uh, uh-huh. what was that called? That 70s show. That was a great line. However, it wasn't my favorite line of the episode. Althea had my favorite line of the episode. When Morgan and Ginny are walking up to the dam and Dwight and Althea are up in the in their little lookout hidey hole and Ginny says, I, you, I, you turned, I saw you. And Althea says, should have looked harder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was the funniest line ever for me. I laughed so hard. <laughs> that's everything about Ginny that's wrong, though, too. Taking things for granted. Like, you thought you had the run of this shit. <laughs> Sharon, says she liked the part in particular where she said, uh, what do you want, Victor? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you want? Hold the walkie out. Back in the day when people had corded phones and <laughs> and you'd like hold it out for your friend to shout into from across the room. It's for you. <laughs> yeah. It's for you. Yeah. I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah. Tell them this. And then you just hold the phone so they can shout into it. Tell them yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Swing it around the, ho- the cord. <laughs> All right. Let's put it on top of the telephone <laughs> until they come around. Yeah. <laughs> we need to pivot this conversation right. real fast. We gotta pivot we gotta pivot a foot up your ass. <laughs> Finally Victor kinda does the Ginny thing, puts the fingers up in the air and goes, We can do this the easy way or the hard way. I was dead. Do you know why? Because that's exactly what the booty warrior says in the boondocks. I came looking for booty. Man's butt. Excuse me? I called you Chris Hansel. I like you and I want you. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. And what kills me about that is that that's a real person in real life. You think that's not, but so many things from the boondocks is a real person from real life that they take and put on the show. Oh shit. If you ever watch the boondocks and you see what I'm talking about, Victor saying it in that moment, seriously, (laughs) just took me out of it because of watching, watching that scene in the boondocks. The guy's name in real, the real life, his name's Fleece Johnson. On the boondocks, he's called the booty warrior. Booty warrior. And it was after a real guy in prison who like says out loud to the person interviewing him, booty is the currency. <laughs> and that likes yours. Oh my <laughs> now, god! We, now we can do this the easy way. We, he says this in the interview. We can do this e- the easy way. Or this is the, or we can do this a hard way. And like, like the guy's like literally like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and so like. I'm watching the serious scene where Victor's like, you know, we, we could do this the easy way, we could do this the hard way. And I'm like, I'm totally taken out of the scene. I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> and I'm writing, and I actually literally write this in the live tweet. Anybody remember this scene from the Boondocks? <laughs> where they, in cartoon form, do like depict the real life thing. Oh my gosh. Of course, by the end of the cartoon, he, like he's literally like raping the journalist, whatever. <laughs> 606, where she says yes to Wes. Oh, oh okay. So okay. Wait. okay. Okay. Maybe in 606. Okay. Okay. Very next so Jasper's like, fine, fine, I gonna, maybe. Mm, I, I, okay. I could have swore. I've got Jenny's voice in my ears ringing. We can do this. That's what it was. Hard way yes, the hard yes. way yeah. And then she digs into his wound and all that stuff. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, fine. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes! So different context, same words. Same words, right, yeah. Interesting. Oh, and you know, that's that's interesting because when she's doing it in the episode, she's pointing, pointing her fingers down. down while she had fingers. <laughs> That's on that true. hand yeah she still had them then okay for a okay, few sure. minutes see I, you know what i pushed you and i pushed you and you found it i doubted you about the episode i didn't doubt you that you'd find it yeah <laughs> 
but you found it. And if had I not pushed you, you would not have found it. Let's just let's just admit that. Listen, I push people. I'm a pusher. Yeah. I like pushing people. I know she said it. I just I, and I and, knew Sharon D would know when. So and good and good things come out of it. <laughs> Hopefully, this won't end our friendship. <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> somewhere down the line, somewhere uh, at the end of the line, it'll take more than that. <laughs> Sharon D's like wrong. I wouldn't know. I'm not familiar with the sensation. <laughs> That's a Downton Abbey mm. quote. <laughs> See, Sharon is a mirror for me. I better watch myself. <laughs> Wrong. No, I'm not familiar with the sensation. I, when they said Southpaw, I, I don't know. Like when you play video games and you play Southpaw, it's geared towards a left-handed player. So I just thought that was funny because yeah, right, she she's left-handed. Left so right. the mountain thing, that didn't click so much. Hip. What's what's weird about it is that she is mountain. That's her call sign is mountain. Right. Meanwhile, Southpaw is Hill. Hill's call sign, right? Right. But it should well, be the other way around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I thought right. that was really funny. Yeah. But, the, but what I was really excited about about what Sharon and I both were really excited about was grit when Sharon or not Sharon Ginny <laughs> says um you know we're we're I'm in a water tower uh, you know at grit and I just I freaked right out because those were the coordinates in Morgan's knapsack so in the beginning of the season when we see the coordinates that he writes inside that backpack I looked those up and they're right on grit school, grit school road, road and I found them if you hadn't watched it we actually put up on the screen in the actual episode now for your audio listeners you can get it from the blog we actually put the maps in the blog for that episode because of all of that and because of Sharon D also because <laughs> you guys posted a bunch of signs from grit you know the yep. grit school road thing yeah. so I put that in there too in the video and so it's all there it's all there it's so it, it feels so good it feels so good to be validated I'm like yeah grit yeah. Well, <laughs> you know but in your excitement there is something cool about what Ginny does there she's not leaving it up to chance but it's the very thing that gets them found out she literally <laughs> looks her left and says yeah I'm right here you still don't know where Southpaw is the location is where uh, is it Daniel and Grace, I think, mm -hmm, are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Daniel and Grace. But I know where you are. If you weren't following everything up until now, this is why this is so significant. The fucking outcasts have been listening to their all their conversations the entire time. And you're wondering yourself, oh, well, how did they find them? They've been listening the entire time. Ever since the beginning of the season, they've been listening to all their chatter and conversations. And again, Ginny is so short-sighted. This is something we've said already just a second ago. She takes everything for granted. She thinks she's got the run of this thing, but she doesn't realize that they've been monitoring communications. And that's how Ginny's rejects were able to find Morgan. I, I was excited too. Okay. I was excited because you got excited. And then I was like, oh, then in my notes, I'm like, oh, this means something. This, cause I was wondering how they found her. And that's, that's how the outcasts were able to find her. I'm comparing this a little bit to John in a way too, because John loses his footing. John doesn't know how to act in this world now that he's figured out which way is up. Ginny is losing it too. She thought she had the run of the place. And she, <laughs> after she falls, doesn't know which way is up. It's all over for you now, Ginny. And then she acts like in the world in the way that she's used to and she cannot she's like oh it's over here yeah yeah it's over here yeah you idiot you just got yourself killed you just fucking got yourself killed yep. good good job i love it when she says everyone's turning on me today <laughs> like today right again like today? again <laughs> it's funnier because she has that stupid potato sack on her 
Okay, just to hold her arm. That's what makes it funnier. <laughs> Everybody's turning on me today. She's walking <laughs> around with this <laughs> stupid disgust. And it looks gross, right? It does. Like, it's not it's not blood, but it's still like, yeah, I don't want to put that around my arm right now. Like what I'd rather die. It looked like it had been flattened in a grocery store parking lot for about ten years. <laughs> and out in the sun with all the gross shit. And in that very same scene, the following scene, the little callback as Ginny's going underneath the log to simulate what the walker in the beginning of Bury Her Next Jet. Jasper's leg was stuck under as well. And I feel like the walker that was coming after her while she was under that log, I don't know about you, and this is maybe coming out of nowhere. Why did I get sudden feelings about Isaac in that moment? Like maybe it's the colors he was wearing, the, the walker's shirt, I don't know. Generally speaking, like Isaac would wear the color green. And so that maybe got me to think of him or something. Maybe. Again, tables are turned. The walker's coming after it instead of the walker being trapped under the log too. So there's like a little reversal going on here. Paige is the one who's running away from the walker. I think sometimes I try to pick up on these things that if something makes you think of something, it might have been purposeful. He had just mentioned Isaac when they went to the dam. Okay, as Morgan's trying to take Ginny away in the firefight, Victor kind of goes, don't fuck this up. We have her right now. She's ours. Don't do this. He says, we can find, we have, I have rangers, we can find Daniel and Grace. The question is, do you think Victor's right in this moment? Because there's an argument here that maybe we don't need Ginny anymore. He could be right. There's only so many places they could have gone. It's going to take a long time to find them. Who's to say if Hill doesn't hear from Ginny after so long, he isn't supposed to just kill them anyway. So we wouldn't have time to find them without Ginny checking in. And I want to believe that too, but I have to kind of remove my bias a little bit because I'm like, oh, I'm on Morgan's side, right? Obviously. <laughs> but then like follow, follow it to its logical conclusion. Let's say Morgan wastes Ginny then in there. The what ifs. I love it. Hill doesn't hear from Ginny. Ginny, what well, Ginny just kills Rabbi Jacob and Daniel and Grace and all that. What reason would he have to even kill them? Well, if Ginny doesn't check in, then he would have to conclude that she that she's dead and so he's going to kill these people in re in retaliation because obviously it was their group who killed Ginny yeah, if we're playing the tribes game, yes. Or but assuming there's a tribe for him to fall back on. That could have been the plan all along, too. Take whoever, I mean, not necessarily Grace and Daniel, <laughs> but whoever. Let's say the, the plan was always, you know, if something happens, we meet here. And maybe they had a plan in place. And if Ginny didn't check in, he was to dispose of the hostages. You know, that would ensure Ginny staying alive. Well, try to anyway, like, oh, you can't kill me. If you kill me, your friends are dead. Either way. We're looking too deep or not deep enough, but maybe that's not the point. Maybe it's what John says about Grace in the previous episode. When it's Grace, it's a different story. When Grace gets on the on the walkie, hmm. Morgan answers. John says, don't answer. It's exactly what she wants. But maybe the whole point is that because it's Grace, and this is why I say, this is why I said in the beginning, what happens when Morgan is faced with a situation where Grace is on the chopping block and all, all the other friends are stacked against that chopping block? Like, okay, it's your friends or Grace. Who's it going to be? Mm -hmm. that, and that's why I started thinking that. So again, maybe it's that had it not been Grace, Morgan might have acquiesced. But thank goodness I think it was Grace because it got him to the place by, that by the end of the episode he can't kill her. Yeah. Something that June doesn't have. <laughs> and wastes Ginny, right? Yeah. <laughs> so something to pay attention to. Because, look, I never do the thing where I try to say, this is bullshit, but Victor could have been right. They could have probably found him, killed Hill, gotten out Daniel and Grace, etc. right? One could easily say that. Who's to say that J Victor can just as easily rescue them? But because it's Grace, right. Nova doesn't let him. We just want to take Not the chance. Not to take chances. Not willing. Right. Yep, exactly. exactly. Yep. Which says a lot more about Morgan than it does about Victor. Victor, not completely wrong. Even even though he's pretty shady, that little shot at the end, like that 
symbolic shot, symbolic, because it's not Fair. meant to hit him. Exactly. But what what are we supposed to take away from that? That I have the answers? That I'm the one in charge? I saw Strand going, pew! Oh, I tried! I tried, everyone! See? See? I tried! Oh. <laughs> That's so so okay okay fine so going back to the end of the episode why he's all like ha he's doing it for his pe we're going back to the Sherry Victor representation thing like it's not his fight it's not her fight they don't have a dog in the fight but they have to represent them typical politician shit you're not one of them but you're acting like you're one of them he's leading okay. them basically now so yeah he's got to put on quite a show okay now to wrap all this in a bow we go back to Negan again <laughs> why I don't know we always seem to <laughs> but. What Carl says to him at the top of the gates of Alexandria, when it finally comes to a reckoning, this is something Negan never, never really does. Negan doesn't kill for killing's sake until Simon forces his hand and then he feels like he has to. He goes to the gates of Alexandria and Carl says something very important. When did this get away from you? We're going to come to a point, I hope, maybe it's not too late or maybe it is too late, but at some point the question is going to be asked of everybody, except for maybe Morgan, maybe, because I think he has the right answer now. He might not have that right answer later. Morgan did everything he do in this episode was it right what are we here what are we doing it for you can disagree but it's the same moment with alicia i can't feel like my plan is the only plan i have to defer to my friend alicia i need john to guide my hand make sure i'm doing things right or maybe he needs john so that he can do the things he needs to do and john can pull him back and center him <laughs> yes. this is why i said maybe that's why he needs john so he can have an excuse to kill so when did this get away from you oh well morgan realizes he doesn't have a john and he has to be it himself okay fine but when did this get away from you victor when did you take this too far we're not there yet we're almost there. We're, we're like on the line. Sherry, when did this get away? How far are you willing to go? Mm. Where are you going with all this? It's not, you're not, it's not even your, your fight, but how far are you willing to take people down a path that they were never meant to go on because of your, you can't handle your shit. And I feel like Victor has some of that too. We're getting to a deeper point here. It's all tribes. It's all leaders of a tribe that feel like they need to be a certain way. And who does that remind you of? Ginny. Ginny oh. felt she had to be a certain way, a certain way. See, I, I thought and, of The Walking Dead, Alexandria, Hill top kingdom all these separate settlements all having their own idea michonne especially <laughs> but the difference is as much as we didn't like maggie going down a certain path with hilltop you could justify it it made sense she wasn't trying to be something that she wasn't i felt like she was always this person yeah yeah it's just she need she needed a reason to be this person to embrace that part of her you could say the same thing about victor but he doesn't have a dog in the fight hilltop and maggie were intrinsically linked it makes sense that they grew up together that they became inseparable maggie thrived at hilltop hilltop thrived with maggie what's the deal with victor what's with sherry no dog in the fight and yet they took on these causes that are alien to them sherry it's her chance to do it over again sure but like do they know that i mean maybe they do but how far are you willing to go editor's note how is this any different from charlie and alicia's interaction with ed gain trying to get it right with them when he got it so wrong with his own family uh, hold on it's sherry's chance to do what over again she's not in that situation she's putting herself in that situation she's saying i need to go out of my way to make these people pay that didn't really do anything to me but they did stuff to this person these friends of mine but she could just as easily go live with dwight and work through this trauma together what the fuck sherry and again this is why i say it could be the thing that where if dwight drops out like if he finds some sort of demise oh, gosh or... please no I'd, I'd rather sherry go <laughs> We, that's why I said what I said in the beginning of the episode. I was like, 
we're all looking in one direction. We're not looking the other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we're like, fuck, fuck you, Sherry. Fuck you. We don't, we don't see her trauma. <laughs> I sympathize with it. I don't think she's going about coping with it the right way. Okay. I could say the same thing about June. I don't know that sure. that's the right way. <laughs> Sherry says, bye, Felicia. <laughs> They're playing off of the thing I said before about Morgan. <laughs> Choosing between his friends and Grace. Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see the spelling now. That's hilarious. <laughs> what makes Sherry different than Jenny? What makes Victor different than Jenny? What makes anybody, almost anybody, except for Morgan, when he decides not to do the thing that everybody wants him to do, what makes them different? They're all doing the same thing. They're all saying, I'm trying to keep you safe and this is the way to keep you safe. And then doing more and more and more and yeah. more. I, I disliked Jenny because of the things she did specifically to our group, splitting everybody up, all of that stuff. But I can't say she's the same as Negan besides the Janice incident. She doesn't go around bashing people in the head just to, to scare them into submission. Oh, but you don't remember how she entered into the scene. Just completely dis destroying Logan's group because they, they weren't necessary anymore. We they weren't, weren't, necessary. We weren't in Logan's group. Logan's not our group. We don't know Logan's group. <laughs> but there's still people who got Well, they got murdered and also to make a point, not unlike Negan. Okay. Negan would murder people to make a point. I was trying to give Jenny a little bit more credit, but never mind. Yeah, okay, we won't go there, Becky. Rick's group murdered Negan's group in their sleep. <laughs> like, but yes, but not to make a point for vengeance. That's a it's quagmire. It's all okay. perspective. Let's take it. Let's take it and run. Rick at least pulled back and put Negan in jail. So the comparison is apt. When did this get away from you is the point. Yeah. When did this get away from you? When when did we take it's my way or the highway? I'm going to I'm going to kill you, Negan, from I'm going to pull back, Negan. So fine. Okay, so when does the killing stop? Goes back to the thing we said about when you get the thing that you want, now what? It's going to keep going. Sherry did get the thing she wanted. And maybe, maybe not. It didn't feel like exactly how, like she said, it didn't feel like I, I thought it would feel when I had Ginny in my sights. Mm -hmm. Now she has to figure out who she needs to be or who, who, who am I now? First of all, this fake Negan, the Negan that I replaced is gone. Figuring this out has helped me figure out Sherry's motives a lot easier now because who are you now? Dwight, for your sake, I need to figure out who I am now because... Again, something that we mentioned in previous episodes about Negan and Lucille. Remember how we said circumstances change everything? I use the analogy of losing a kid. It breaks up marriages. Mm -hmm. Why does it break up marriages? If love is strong, and no, but circumstances sometimes make it so that people who love each other no longer, because it's too painful to be together. But the same thing could be for Negan and Lucille. The world changing and being a certain way that, that they need to be to survive. Well, if, ne if Lucille is still in the picture, who's to say that Lucille would love Negan anymore if she feels like she has to be a certain way to survive, if he feels like he doesn't have to change as long as Lucille's in the picture. This is my assertion, but Lucille will be sick of him. She's a boss-ass boss, boss ass bitch, okay? She knows what she needs to be in order to thrive. As long as Lucille's around, I don't think Negan has an excuse to be that Negan that we know and love, or I don't know, know and tolerate, whatever it is for you. Going back to Sherry and going back to Victor, maybe. What now? What now? Who is Victor now that, now that Ginny's gone? Who are you now? You built up this army and replaced Ginny, essentially, as a just did the same thing over again. Are you not going to run this thing the same way she did? What are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go? And for what? Mm -hmm. For what? What did you want more than anything else? You wanted to be Alicia, with Alicia, building some sort of future. But now you feel like you have to be this. Oh, oh, it's for an enemy that we can't see? Oh, really? You can't do that with Alicia? Mm -hmm. My point exactly. You can't let go of your pride for one second because you felt like
like you needed to be a certain way to pass this moment, but now you got to keep going. Sherry, well, what's the deal? But I get it. I get it because the whole point to Sharon's point, she says this again for me. She says, we're all the same. The whole point is to show everybody, maybe it's not exactly the same, but you are, and you will continue to do the same things I am doing. And we're going to see that with these, with these groups. We're going to see how when put in a, in stiff, different circumstances, what would you do? Now Morgan proves that he would not do the same thing. Who's to say that tomorrow won't be the same way though. Yeah. Tomorrow he might realize that this thing that he's been building, which is no longer necessary in a, in a sense, because Ginny's not in the picture. This is something I also thought about by the end of the episode. So he should, the whole point was to should, hide from Ginny. He should take everyone to Lawton. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that now that we have some relative freedom, why do we need this dam? The whole point was it was off the grid. It was away from Ginny. It was a defensible position in case Ginny did find them for some odd well, reason. Still a defensible position against any future threats. True. But the, the threat at the moment was, was the Ginny was right. off, not on her maps. It looked like a body of water, but it really isn't. Mm -hmm. So I thought about this. I'm like, oh, what's the point of this thing then? Now, why do we need it? Well, they worked so hard on it. Why leave? True. But isn't that also like double? down is like okay well we're gonna keep doing this thing that we're doing well it's a good thing it's a good thing it's a good thing i'm just saying yeah like, i mean that, do we do it? i wouldn't even think to leave would you why would you why would you leave my question would be why would you leave you're wondering well, why they stay well, i ask why would they okay. leave so you fell my for my trap <laughs> It's not hard to all do. I have to say, <laughs> all I have to say in response to that is the diamond. Are we not doing the same thing as we did in the Dell Diamond? Well, I don't know if it was called okay. the Dell Diamond. <sighs> Defensible position, high walls, concrete. The goal here in life in the apocalypse is to find one sustainable place, correct? Otherwise, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, Other I, otherwise, I, I would... you live your life as a nomad. You never settle. You never stop. That you sounds mean convoy? Like, that sounds horrible. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, this is not to say who's right. Right, who's wrong what's right what's wrong <laughs> no really really yeah. the, the the only thing that's left is the question the only thing that's left is the question because we've tried this we tried that we tried that we tried, we, we're repeating history should i stay or should i go now dwight says we should have been a smaller group and, and wandering around everywhere that that's when things were great madison tried to build a wall with the diamond dell which is again if you look at it it's like ostensibly a great position why did it fall? It shouldn't have fallen, but it did. And Mel, one way or the other, was right. The Alexandria, in a way, fell. You wouldn't think, but it did. Hilltop also fell. With enough force, <laughs> it fell. The, the thing is not to come to an answer. After so long in the apocalypse, all you're left is with, is with the question, is anybody safe anywhere? You could say, maybe in World Beyond, where they had the... Well, then <laughs> then what happened? The CRM came in and just fucked their shit up at Campus Colony. CRM so again, we're safe? All, so stick with the CRM, is, I guess? <laughs> but is the CRM... Now we are going to come to the ultimate yeah. question about both the Commonwealth and the CRM. Yeah. Which, okay, again, if you're going by comic canon, at least with the Commonwealth, it is safe? And then they could finally erect a statue of Rick? I, I, I don't know. But anyway, the whole point is... Yeah. It is. I don't think that that's where gonna. That's where the, they're gonna end. It's just gonna be a very disappointing endpoint because if we're to say that the dam is a safe place, we're gonna get a rude awakening because no place is safe. Even Alicia says, "I was thinking of taking Dakota to the Diamond," mm -hmm. and so even saying that out loud in that episode is supposed to be like a warning shot because if we have this dam, aren't we doing the same thing? Aren't we repeating history again? Morgan is repeating Madison's not mistake. We can't say it's a mistake. You got to do what you got to do. You got to try hard. But I feel like it's out loud to say hey even the, even this place is not safe or maybe we don't know i say it because the question is there and something's got to come out of it i see your point because i i totally agree no place is safe you can try and build it up as much as you can but no place is really truly safe but does that mean you don't try 
no, you got to try. Yeah, Sharon, you mentioned this before, like what I was trying to say before, the fallacy of sunk costs. You know, you put so much into it, you can't back out. This is with Sherry and, and Victor and, and all those people. Mm -hmm. And Morgan, even to a certain extent, until he finally pulls out, he's like, I'm dropping the chips now because this is going to get us to a point where we can't pull back. This is against what I said before. I'm, I'd be hypocrite. But then she says a whole bunch of things that are really funny. Yeah, they don't have good history with dams or diamonds or hospitals or cabins. Mm -hmm. Doctors. <laughs> oh, wait, that's walking. Doctor, doctors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Beck, Becky says, if they get weevils in the crops, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. But it, even if they did and they didn't listen, but what are they supposed to do? You're right. We're not saying what's right, what's wrong. We're saying this is the legacy of zombie apocalypse tales. It sucks. We know the Titanic is going to sink. We just want to know how and what we learn or what story we get in the process. And I hate having to point this out because you want to think that the Walking Dead universe is going to be any different, but it's not. So while we're here, and this is the point, while we're here, let's get something out of it. Let's learn something. Let's figure shit out along the way what lessons can we take in our own life having not been in, in a zombie apocalypse we see these people desperately cling on to something and that's the thing i love about these 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 tales is that with the right pressures these people who have not only scratched and clawed to live they've learned to scratch and claw for a meaning and purpose i want what they've got i want to know what what's essential not just killing and whatever and all that stuff which we know is essential in survival and it's not enough what do they get out of it what are the answers that we get both in and out of the zombie apocalypse well yeah people sure something more than just survival yes beauty yes music yes culture yes all that stuff what is consistent and Sharon D says my ship already sank they hit a viceberg you're, just, you're talking about John and June though right oh a Virginia iceberg <laughs> a viceberg not your best no no I'll laugh I'll laugh for you <laughs> yeah unac unacceptable I like I... horrible puns I'll take it <laughs> do, do better be best <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, yeah yep. you're gonna lose people i think that's why it was e not easier but why eventually i had to land on um, when we were talking about john and june last week how at the end of the day we have to love who we have while they're here because as life goes they can be taken from us at any point and just like the characters we love on these zombie apocalypse horror stories they're going to be taken away from us at some point and yes the way in which they are taken removed from us can be awful and cruel it's awful and cruel in real life anyway it made it a little easier to swallow and honestly in some ways i think it helps me cope with what we know is going to eventually happen to all the people we love so perspective unfortunately but it helps a lot <laughs> sharon is like fuck you fear look at your pain look at your pain it's staring right it's staring you right in the face uh, that's that's real life pain fuck you fear from making me confront things that are bad that we all go through trust me i'm the first one to say fuck you to that but here we I'll are say, i had one last question where the hell is hill he gone he did okay no, he's yeah he probably wrote off in the sunset do you think he even matters anymore that's a good question right mm -hmm. i don't think so do you i don't know morales showed up after six years <laughs> 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 yeah, so he'll probably show up just long enough to get killed. By the end of the beginning, guys, hey, maybe? I'm, maybe. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Walker Hill? Just wondering yeah, where he I is. <laughs> I think that's more of a COVID thing. Because I noticed that also, like, you see Wes riding up in the back of Alicia and Robbie Kessner showing up where he weirdly, I don't know, it was weird that he was with them. When we didn't see him earlier in the in the episode. Right. Like, Wes shows up with Luciana. It's like, I, I attribute that to, like, a COVID thing where you're filling in the blanks. Where they were there, but they weren't there. At the dam? Well, it looked like they were coming oh, from someplace else i have an explanation i this is one of those things that i forgot to mention i was trying to square that circle too why does wes show up and rabbi kessner show up daniel and grace were 
taken to Southpaw, where the other batch was. And the other batch contained Wes, Rabbi Kessner. Where's the fuck's Peggy? Probably with them, too. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I mean, Tess. Tess. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Okay. 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 That actually clarifies what Strayad says. Uh, Here's Morgan's people. Do you want me to get the rest? Or what does he say there? Do you want me to bring the rest of them? Okay. Okay. When he said that, I didn't get the impression that they were all gathered someplace. I, I got the impression that he would go out and collect them like he did this group. But you could be right. Your theory makes more sense. The way he phrased it, I just didn't, I, my brain didn't go there. That we thought he might have known where they were? Yeah. And I, I would have thought the same thing, and, but clearly he didn't because he said, oh, we'll just eventually find them, right? So. Yeah. I think what's interesting about what Victor does in this moment is he's trying to find out where they are so that he can bring them to safety because he still cares about them, right? Yes. Okay. Now that's, so, yeah, that's cool. all making more sense now. But see, this is another example. And I wrote in plenty of places where Ginny is no dummy. Mm-hmm. One thing that I did say incorrectly was that Ginny is losing her marbles when she find out, finds out Morgan is alive, goes to Grace, gathers them up in one place for them to all be scooped up again. But no, I underestimated Ginny and her moment of panic. I thought she was going to gather them all in place to get them saved. No, two batches. Just in case the first batch doesn't work out, I still got that second batch in reserve so I can still force people's hand to do what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. I thought that was genius and kudos to whoever who saw our podcast and said oh let's not do that <laughs> let's not do that so they can get saved we can maybe do something cool now again you're yeah. watching our podcast you, oh, yeah no that was move. that was a much better call i i agree separating them and so where were they grace and daniel were taken where the rest of the batch was in southpaw yep. answering that question blah 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 done finito but again i i i like that we brought that up because that's one of the things i wanted to highlight jenny is no dummy even more than I thought before. And even in her anger, she even thought of a way to separate the groups that she can still get what she wants, even if this group was saved somehow. (laughs) Chef's kiss, as they say. Even though I just did this, which means chef's kiss. So why do people say chef's kiss? I've never heard that. I've seen this. I've never heard anyone say it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I like what Sharon says right here, though, when we ask about Hill. And very valid point. She may be going on a rampage. Like, she may find herself walking out of those gates and going after every of the anti-strand rangers yeah rangers Mm -hmm. so she she could be going after hill and that's all she's doing until somebody else kills hill and then she'd be like what the fuck that was my kill and then like (laughs) she'll 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 join with the end is the beginning people oh no sharon's right that'd be bad (laughs) that'd be very bad sharon i didn't see the rabbi at lawton though did you i did this is like the first time i saw him was him stepping out of that car i i have to assume he was in the second batch so strand collected june and company who were in lawton the rabbi was already in Southpaw. That's what she's saying. Okay. I thought that Wes was a little bit weird and how June came with them. I thought that was all weird too. Oh, but I guess it makes sense because they went under the car with Lucy. And, and I Sarah. guess they picked up Wes. From, yeah. Okay. And Sarah. Right. Our brains are like, oh, Wes wasn't there at the shootout. So where was he? Was he at the shootout? Wes? No, right? Mm-mm. Yeah. Not that he I saw. The, okay. Not that I saw. So the easiest way to kind of square that circle and any, any other inconsistencies on that front is COVID. COVID-19. Period. You know, you can only have so many people on screen at the same time which by the way it's all i can think of now is when morgan gets really close to jenny about like is that is that true you telling the truth here's my covid breath here's my covid breath all of a goddamn face yes we're all the same morgan 
we're all the same. I'm like, oh my god, what is going on here? Because I saw how they filmed it. Like, we saw some of the behind the scenes. Like, okay, they're doing scenes with masks on. I'm like, that yeah. scene was not with a mask on. You can only CG so much in that scene. <laughs> like, that was pure COVID breath all over each other. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that they have COVID. I'm just saying it's funny. They don't it, have they COVID. That's the point. They are regularly tested. Right. You you saw the Alexa interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw the Alexa. I know what's up. <laughs> But still, but still, right? But still, like that that one scene where they're getting really close. I want everyone to be safe. Let me say that first. But I don't know. I do. I do get sad. Things are really gonna change. No, I don't. I didn't think too much about it because that's still what I expect to see. But now you're forced to think of these things, right. partially because of culture, but also partially because that's a lot of hard work that they had to do to kind of make sure everybody was safe. So, so yeah. that we can get a scene like that mm-hmm. and be thankful that we do, because that was powerful. That was so fucking powerful powerful we're all the same and could you imagine it done any other way like okay where you don't even see morgan's face and she's like just literally telling it to a camera mm-hmm. we're all the same and he's not even there no because you saw right in front of their faces so you gotta appreciate it Good yeah stuff. when when, <laughs> when morgan is revealing the truth said out loud to Ginny, it's over for you that whole thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's explaining the whole price that john had to pay because of her cover-up with cameron's death then he says and he paid for it with his life his life yeah. <laughs> i love it when the accent slips oh, out <laughs> lenny oh lenny I lenny i love it so I love- much the treasures you give us sometimes. The passion of the moment makes you lose the accent, but it almost makes the scene better, right? Oh, because for sure. Half the time, Ginny's talking over him. There's some. There, the foreground is fo- focusing on her chat with Hill or this or that, or talking to this ranger or that ranger. But the, he and he keeps going on in the background about the story and everything. But right when they come back, and he paid for it with his life. It is wonderful, I and I'm not mad at it. <laughs> I just love it. And even if it breaks us out for a second, we laugh a little bit, but then come back, and it's a very serious scene. Yep. Decoder every day, all day, funny. I love it. Decoder, I love it. Yeah, Alicia. Yep, love it. Love it. The significance of that scene really highlights what we said about why Ginny has to do what she did with Cameron. Because we got to get everybody to a point where it never points back to her. We got to set up a real investigation to make it look like everybody knows which way is up. Because mm-hmm. if they knew which way was up, the truth said out loud only once, the whole thing would fall apart. It's built on nothing. And it's believable. And the fact that she fell because of that makes everything worth it. And it makes Don- John's death mean something. Something Sharon said over and over again in the chat. She thought I wasn't paying attention, but I was really just waiting to get to the point <laughs> that Morgan makes John's death mean something. The fall of Lawton was because John died. It would not have happened otherwise. No, nope. I don't think. No, nope. uh, it would. It would take a lot. Move mountains for it to meet to for it to happen otherwise. I mean, and it, it wouldn't have been as powerful yeah. because John died. It means something to these rangers that I could have died as well. If John had survived, he could have showed up at Lawton giving the same speech Morgan did. But would anyone believe him? The fact that he died for this is is a huge tell. As a symbol, as sort of one of them, and just as easily you could say that about Isaac yeah. too. Yeah, being a former ranger. Yep. Yeah. But then they could they would see him as a deserter. But John had a problem. John had to get away because he knew the truth and he needed to go away. And that's the thing. And any one of your rangers would have done the same had you been put in the same position. And John was respected by the other rangers. They all looked up to him. They tried to find the killer and they supposedly found it in Janice. But when they found out that was all a lie, he couldn't take it. It, it makes every single ranger, at least most of them, think, this could have been me. And so that instantly worked very well. Now, some of them did feel like they had to still protect 
contact Jenny, but that could happen to anybody. Again, how far are you willing to go? When did this get away from you? It could be anybody. They can still think that Jenny's still part of the solution. So with that, everybody, I hope you appreciate us as we end this episode. And if you really, really appreciate what we do, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us, but use it as a means of communication. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. Give us one star and a poop emoji, and we'll know exactly what you're talking about, but at least do something. Put a stop to squawking dead. And if you really, really Really enjoy what we do head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead and when you do you'll at least know what we're up to because most of the things that we post there we do not show up on social media unless it's an interview then we have to kind of post it and if you do like what we're doing and you want to be a part of the, our recording sessions which are private but are open to our coffee backers buy us a coffee you'll have access for 30 days and if you subscribe to a coffee month or more we're not going to stop you the party just keeps on rolling and your support is totally appreciated we do our best to show our appreciation we'll make it worth your while the best is yet to come and uh, with that thank you for joining us take care everybody we'll see you next week for episode 610 handle with care which is not a song by william topley it's a song by the travel wilburys promo for william topley handle with care by william topley chef's kiss (laughs) 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 you should should definitely listen to that song it applies a lot to the the john june thing it's it's very emotional i'm gonna start doing that now Chef's kiss. Chef's <laughs> mm, like, I never, I would never say that, but now it's, now I'm going to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Good night. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>